prepare for the harvest. Because you see, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of the pains of death, we begin to realize that we're not, we have not been buried in a grave, but rather we've been planted in a field. Nobody shouting. Some of you have been content to be buried in a grave, but I've come by today to tell you, you have been planted in a field. And all of a sudden, you're about to break through the ground, and it's time that we prepare for the harvest. The harvest isn't about the planting. The harvest isn't about the seed of return 60, 80, 100 times more becomes food, comes life, comes future I'm going to spend the next month talking about preparing for the harvest I got news for you we have to change our mindset I haven't even read my scripture yet, and I'm going to shoot for an oh my. We've got to change our mindset. Somewhere down the road, about 15 years ago, we built a new building. I wasn't here, but I'm here now. We built a new building. And we arrived. No more of that cramped little old place. No more of that struggle. No more of that trying to figure out this, that, and the other. We got the nice sanctuary now. Somewhere we arrived. And we started being important. We quit being the little church over on 2nd Street. And we started being Souls Harbor. We started being a force. We gained a reputation, albeit a good reputation. We gained a reputation. But I don't have to tell you. You can look around and see. Our numbers have went down. Our generations have grown older. If that offended you, you need to go look at a mirror. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. I want you to think about your life. Where are you going to be in 20 years? I got a few people laughing, outright laughing out loud. I'll even ask, how old will you be in 20 years? I mean, in 20 years. Oh, my Lord. Chrysalin just said 38 like that was the end of the world. Let me tell you something. Now I want you to apply that same principle to our church. I want you to look around this room and see where are we going to be in 20 years. 
Where are we going to be in 20 years? I, I, I don't mean to throw aspersions to anybody. I don't mean to offend anybody. But that's going to be a lot of us ain't going to be here in 20 years. There are going to be some of us, we've already, they've already going to, they've already going to have, if the Lord hadn't come, they've already going to done our church, our family dinner, and they've already going to serve fried chicken over us or Happy Meals. Are we, here are the questions, and I'm getting to our identity change in just a second. Are we going to be the generation with which Souls Harbor dies? Now we've got to change our mindset. We've got to quit being Souls Harbor. And we've got to start understanding that it's time we start acting like we're a brand new church. We got to start acting like we just started this church yesterday. That 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 we're we're a brand new work. Pastor, why do you say we need to do that? I'm saying we need to do that because we need to get the idea that we haven't arrived. We need to get the idea that it's time to start working and praying and seeking God because we've got to prepare for harvest. You know what happened in that little building? You know why that church grew from 10 or 15 people to what we've been up to 150 people? You know why that happened? It didn't happen because good preaching came along. Although Pastor Ryan was a great preacher, Brother Darnell was a great preacher, I'm an ant preacher. It didn't happen because of great music, even though we got great music. It happened because somewhere a group of people said, I believe God can do something, and there's a harvest that's coming, and I'm not going to sit back and watch somebody else work, but I'm going to get out and I'm going to work the harvest. When it comes harvest season, the farmers work. Junior and them are gone for Labor Day weekend, but if he was here today, he'd tell you the same thing he told me when they first started coming to church here. They were coming to church. I got back from China. I got to meet them. They were already well established in the church time I got back. He comes up to me one Sunday and he says, Harvest starts. I'll see you in two and a half months. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I will work seven days a week until harvest is done. They harvest many acres of land. Tom, when harvest starts, every extra minute he's out there harvesting the field. When I say prepare for harvest, too many of us go, Amen. Y'all have fun. I got news for you. Harvest is work. If we're going to prepare for the harvest, it means that every one of us have to be working. Statistics tell us that in a good church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But you know what happens when 20% of the people do 80% of the work? You stay wherever that 20% is. So if we get comfortable with 20 people doing most of the work, which I'd be thrilled with right now, 
That put us at about 100 people. I'm not talking about you have a job. We got a lot of people have jobs, but they don't work. Come on now. But what would happen if we had 40 people who said, I'm going to sell out to this? Every extra moment, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be witnessing. I'm a, my son got an Uber yesterday, and his Uber driver about drove him crazy, praise God. All the way down to the fact, before she let him out of the car, I just got to ask you, do you know without a doubt if the Lord comes back, will you go to heaven? Man, how many times have we asked people that? Oh, that's weird, Pastor. Yeah, it's weird. They're prepared for harvest. If we're going to prepare for harvest, we need to be working. We need to take on the attitude. We haven't arrived. We've got something greater coming. Greater things are yet to come. I'm... We've got too many people sitting around trying to live off a good reputation that another group of prayers, another group of saints built, and now we think we can just live off of it. It's time that we start getting our hands dirty. We get on our knees in prayer. We get out and we start witnessing, and we start preparing our hearts for the harvest that God wants to bring. Can I tell you God did not give us this building? To just have church in. God gave us this building to make it too small. God gave us this building. I think we should be as crowded in here as you were in the old building. I think we should be as crowded in here as you were in the old building. I think the day needs to come. That if we're able to stay on this property, that this sanctuary is what it takes for the kids' church. And our new sanctuary, and I don't know where we're going to put it. We're going to have to buy out some houses, I guess. But our new sanctuary is full. Why? I'm not talking about getting numbers. I'm, I'm talking about reaping the harvest. i got to get to my sermon. I'll try to preach short. <laughs> um. Why in the world are we the only people different than everybody else? Tell me, Diane, when Tom goes out to the field, does he want his harvest to be as full as it can? Or as long as he gets a couple of rows out of it, he's okay. He wants it all. And if he only gets a couple of rows, Tom's going to be upset, isn't he? Why in the world in the church do we go, well, we don't have a church full, but what we got is good. You know what that means? That means all you really care about is your own soul. I'll change that word in my head. I'll self-edit. All you're worried about is whether or not you make it. God didn't call you to worry about whether or not you made it. God called you. To reach this world. There's a harvest out there. Won't you open your Bibles with me?
Matthew chapter 9. Going to begin reading in verse number 35. Matthew 9, verse 35, it says this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, I pray that you would reach down, that you would touch our hearts and touch our lives. Lord, I want you to prepare a way for us. Help us get hungry for the harvest. Help us to prepare for the harvest. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture I will read every week for this month. As we look at this, he says that Jesus was traveling through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. About the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Here's what he says. It says that Jesus was actively going. He was actively doing. He was out showing people the power and the mercy and the victory of God. He was out showing people and healing people and healing diseases. When he began, before he ever says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, pray to the master that he would send more workers, before he ever does that, he was already out working. He wasn't sitting around waiting. God, you need to do something about the harvest. He could not have talked about providing workers for the harvest unless he was willing to be out there teaching and sharing the good news and healing and delivering. He was doing the work. Church, if we're going to prepare for the harvest, it, does, it doesn't come from an easy chair. It doesn't come from a padded pew uh, church seat. It doesn't come even from an altar. We've got to get out in the streets. And we've got to start sharing. We've got to start reaching. The first sermon that I'm going to preach in this series is preparing for the world harvest. Now, you may think, Pastor, that's backwards, shouldn't we? No, we're going to work our way down. We're going to prepare for the world harvest, and we're going to prepare for our community harvest, and then we're going to prepare for our family harvest, and then we're going to prepare for our harvest. We're going to work our way back to our hearts. But we've got to start with the world when I think about this, I, I look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. 
very familiar. Everybody knows this. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, go, therefore, and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize people. I got news for you. We've got to be going. We've got to be reaching out. We've got to be doing great and mighty things for God's power, for God's anointing, and for God's peace. But the question that always comes to my heart is how do we go? How do we go? See if I can get there. See if it will go there. There we are. How do we go? He says, go, therefore, into all the world. But how are we supposed to go? Well, the first way that we go is in prayer. That doesn't mean... Lord, bless this food, heal it, and raise it from the dead. It doesn't mean now I lay me down to sleep. It means that we start truly interceding. We have been praying over this church. We have been praying in this church all year. Our whole sanctuary is altered in its appearance because of prayer. We have got to understand that we can't reach the world with our feet and with our hands until we reach the world with our prayer. This past Tuesday night had several of the leaders come in and we had a prayer night. And we prayed over the ministries of our church. I gave us three minutes for each ministry. Whew, that wasn't enough. I kept going, oh, I got to go to the, oh, I got to go to the next minute. Oh, I got to go to the next ministry. I think it was revival prayer. We started praying for revival, and I was going strong. I looked up, and the slide had already changed. I was like, oh, man, out of time. If we're going to go and do things, we can't go unless we walk on the wings of prayer. But we don't pray. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But just as I did a while ago when I asked you, where are you going to be in 20 years? How old are you going to be in 20 years? You don't have to tell anybody. I'll let you hide it. You're not hiding it from God. How much time do you spend a day praying? Do you pray? When you're by yourself? How much time do you spend praying that's not asking God to get you out of something? How many time, how much time do you spend praying for somebody else? See, a lot of us, we spend a lot of time, God, you gotta help me. God, you gotta fix this. A lot of us spend a lot of time, what we call praying, it ain't praying. We're telling God what he's supposed to be doing. Now, God, you need to da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. How much time do we spend interceding for our church, 
I am convinced. You want to know how we can have true revival in this church? I'm convinced. I think if just 20 people did it, I can't imagine what would happen if 40 or 50 people did it. If 20, 25 people committed and spent one hour a day praying God's blessing on the church. Oh, pastor, I don't have an hour. I bet you do. I bet if you turned off the TV, you'd have an hour. I bet if you got off Facebook, you would have an hour. I bet if you only slept eight hours a day, you would have an hour. Not all of us, but some of us. I bet that if you made it a priority, you'd have an hour. But it's not a priority. We're not going because we we can't go anywhere physically until we go spiritually. And until we learn to pray. But if we would start praying. You know the scary thing about prayer? You start praying, God God starts talking. You know what happens then? You're praying an hour and then God tells you to go witness an hour. You're praying an hour and all of a sudden God says, listen, I can give you more time to pray. I want you to fast. Who wants to fast? I don't want to eat today. But if we would start being obedient to God, if we would start praying, we pray for the church. What if we prayed for our missionaries? Today's Mission Sunday. It's our day that 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 we we talk about missions and 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 our missions. We ask you to remember your missions promise. Can I tell you our missions giving is behind? We're behind. You know what? What happened if we started praying? What if we prayed for missions? What if we took two minutes and forty seconds a day and prayed for missions? That's 1% of your day. 1%. 10% would be 2 hours and 40 minutes. 1% is 2 minutes and 40 seconds. It's probably not exact right, but it's the easiest way to put it. 2 minutes and 40 seconds a day. And say, God, I want you to touch our missionaries. I, I want you to bless them. You know what would happen? Sometime in that two minutes, 40 seconds, God would tell you how much you needed to give to them. You, you, you would start sacrificing. Why? Because you're believing that God would do something. Two minutes and 40 seconds a day that we just ask God to bless our missionaries. We cover them in prayer. We reach around the world. Or maybe you have a nation. Or you have a place that's close to your heart. Maybe it's the Tanners. And you say, you know, I love our other missionaries, but I'm going to pray two minutes and 40 sec- seconds a day just for Dennis Tanner. Just for men and women of action. Just for Bread of Life Orphanage. Just for uh, Michael Utterback and, and Ministry to Israel. Just for the Bustamantes in Italy. 
I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to believe God to protect them, to show them power. I'm convinced that God would do something amazing. But can I tell you the truth? Some of you are nodding your little heads yes. Two minutes, that's not bad. But it's a big step from saying, yeah, that sounds like good preaching to doing it. I'm tired of people saying, Pastor, you preached a good message but not changed anything in their life. We've got to step out. And say, the Bible says, go therefore. And the first way I can go to the world is pray. I want to pray. I want to seek. I want to ask God to give blessing and to give power and to give honor and to give deliverance. How do we go? We go with prayer. How do we go? We go with giving. Oh, pastor's going to talk about offerings. Yep. When something becomes important to you, you give to it. When you begin to say, I truly want to go. I want to talk in a few minutes about we go with boots on the ground. But let me tell you something. When you've gone to the mission field and you see how they live, you come back and you're guilty. You're guilty. Oh, Pastor, I, I, I don't have it to give. Yeah, you do. One soda a day. A dollar a day. You tell me a place you can get a soda for less than a buck. One soda a day. $30 a month. How many people we got in the sanctuary today? 45. Somebody go with math. What's 45 times 30? What's that? 45 times 30? $1,315. dollars $1,350. What would our missions giving be if we gave $1,350 a month to missions, you know what we normally spend out, send out to mission, our missionaries? $600 a month. We could double what we thought was good for $1 a day. Most of us have close to a dollar a day that we lay in change on our dresser or get lost in our couch. Oh, but I can't give up my soda. I don't drink soda. Will you drink coffee? Every one of us got something we could give up. It's like prayer. Oh, pastor, that sounds easy. But do we do it? I can tell you we don't do it because we couldn't keep up with 600 bucks a month.
All we've got to do is do it. If we want to truly prepare for the harvest. Pastor, what are you talking about? Why are you so big on this? Because we say we want to harvest, but we don't want to prepare for it. We don't trust God enough to provide for us a dollar a day. Well, pastor, didn't you say the church was hurting? Why would we send it off? Because I'm telling you, if we started sending out $1,300 a month to world missions, I promise you, God would take care of the finances here. I promise you. I'm going to be honest with you. I expect, I expect to have over $1,000 come in for missions this month. Come on. Seven dollars a piece of month a week. If you just try, if you just try, in that two minutes and forty seconds a day you're praying for missions, don't drink that soda, don't don't drink that cup of coffee. Lay that dollar to the side and come in and put it in the offering plate and say, "This is my missions money." I believe. You know what that would do in one month. That would catch us back up where we could begin to send off, and in two months, we'd be able to catch up what we were behind, and in three months, we'd be able to up what we gave to missions. In three months, if we'll just be faithful. Pastor, I want to harvest, but I don't want to do anything for it. I want to fulfill the word of God, but I don't want to go with giving. I don't want to go with prayer. I, 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 don't, I don't want to do anything. I, 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 don't want to be, I don't want to be hurting. I don't want to challenge myself. I don't want to do anything different than I've always done. If you don't do anything different than what you've always done, you're never going to get anything different than what you've always gotten. And in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years, when you get to heaven, hopefully, you're going to look down and you're going to say, oh, man, it's so sad to see what happened to that church. And I hope God, I hope God sends an angel or God himself comes by and says, you could have brought a harvest that would have left that church alive. I know it doesn't happen that way because there's no tears in heaven. But I got news for you. We can't be the last generation. We can't be the end of this. We've got to start going. And it starts with reaching the harvest of the world. We go with prayer. We go with giving. How do we go? We go with boots on the ground. Michael used to say, my son, Michael, used to say, I'm called to write checks. He said, God, going to give me a business. He's, he, he, right now, I think he wants to start two or three different businesses. He, 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 he's got a business mind. I, I believe with all my heart he's going to make good money. Praise God. He's going to make good money. And... and I believe he's going to do well. And he used to say, my job, Dad, I, I believe God's calling me to write checks, and I'm going to fund people's missions work. I'm going to be the one that's going to pay them to be on the field. Whether it's 
Mike Anthony, who in those days wanted to be a missionary, or, or, or he said, or if it's you and mom and you want to be on the I'm going to be the one paying all the bills so you can be on the mission field. He was all excited about he was going to write the check. And then he went to China. He put his boots on the ground. And when he come back from China, you know what Michael said? He said, it's selfish if all you want to do is write a check. He said, get out of your comfort zone and go someplace. He's been to China. He's been to Puerto Rico. He says, now I don't want to just send checks. He's got a whole new vision of missions. He says, now I'm going to get the job and I'm going to work internationally and let the company pay my bills while on my time off I go out and do ministry. Well, that makes sense. My generation would have never thought of anything that smart. He says, you got to put your feet on the ground. You got to be there doing it. I got news for you. I talked about missions for years. In 2013, I went to China for the first time, and I got a whole new view of ministry. I got a whole new view of missions. I'm not saying you need to go to China or you need to go to Scotland or Italy or, or you need to go to Africa. I'm saying you need to go do something. Go to Louisiana and staple up insulation. Jay Bay is a queen of insulation staple. Go to Houston and work in 478,000 degree temperature. Yeah, with 700% humidity. Oh my word, that was the hottest trip I've ever had in my whole life. We sweated. We went the second trip to Louisiana. I got sick as a dog. I was so sick, everybody's like, Pastor, go sit down. Because I was like, Go to Arizona, spend two days riding in a van to get there, singing baby shark, doot, 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 doot. Spending almost two days running across the country the other way to New York, sleep in a basement, get up the next morning and start working again. I, I'm telling you, you know, Forget that. A few weeks here, a few months, we're, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to go to Cherryville, Missouri and, and rebuild a church that burnt down. Oh, Pastor, I don't know what I can do. We'll find something. Trust me. Furman can find something for anybody to do. We'll find something. We've got we got projects coming in 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 Cherryville. We we've got brother Ed Todd is is stopping by Broken Bow, Oklahoma this week to see where they're at. We may have a team going down to Oklahoma. There's a hurricane getting ready to skirt the East Coast. Speaking of which, brother Furman, don't leave before I get to talk to you. I've already been looking at my calendar, and I thought, well, let me get with Furman and see what we can look, see, see what tentative dates we can put out there if we need to go somewhere. Let me tell you something. Get your boots on the ground. Oh, Pastor, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. 
what can I do? Maybe we go to a hurricane relief. Maybe you can sit and sign people in. Maybe you can help organize. Dear Lord, how many hours did you ladies spend organizing clothes? Yeah, three days at a drop-off center where people had brought just, and they were just literally piled. And they were going through sorting them out so that people could get what they needed. We, 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 we will find something for you to do. But get your feet on the ground. Go somewhere. Go across the street. Fix dinner and take it to your neighbor. When your neighbor has had surgery, make dinner and take it over to them. Let them know you're praying for them. Across the street or around the world, missions reaching the harvest of the world doesn't start in China. I don't know if you realize this. This is breaking news. Chillicothe is actually part of the world. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it feels like we've left the world once we got to Chillicothe. But it's actually part of the world. I got, Chula's even part of the world. Now that's amazing. Still not sure about Jamesport. But I got, I got better news than that. Souls Harbor Church of God is part of the world. One of the one of the statements, and, and I'm going to be announcing our, our next um, um, town hall meeting so we can actually look at our, our, our core values. Uh, I've told Sister Amy that we're not doing worship next time. We did worship last time we were going to look at our core values, and it turned into two weeks of church. But um, on, our, on our, one of our things, I'm try- there it is. One of our statements is we encourage those across the aisle and around the world. That, that's what missions is. That's how we serve. Put your boots on the ground. It doesn't, you don't have to go to China. I believe you'd, you'd love it if you went. You don't have to go to Scotland. I know you'd love Scotland. Scotland's incredible. You don't have to go to Mexico, and Mexico was a lot of fun. You don't have to go to Cherryville, Missouri, or Houston, Texas, or, or, or Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or wherever we might wind up in South Carolina, or Florida, or Georgia. You, you don't have to go those places. But you can go across the street. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Sliced Bread. You can go to Hy-Vee. You can even go to McDonald's. And put your boots on the ground of ministry. If we're going to reach the world. If we're going to prepare for the harvest. We have to go. Pastor, you read the whole. You read the whole great commission. And all you're talking about is going. Because the problem is. We talk too much about the other stuff. But we won't go. It doesn't matter what we say about the other stuff. It doesn't matter how much we talk about the baptizing and the, and the teaching and the discipleship and all. If we're not going, there's nobody to disciple.
If we're not going, there's nobody to minister to. If we're not going, we're just waiting to die. You got to go. You got to go across the street and around the world with prayer, with giving, and with boots on the ground. That's how we go. That's what we do. If we don't, we die. Sister Cassie redid our missions board. Stop by and take a look at it. It looks great. But I love what she put across the top. Over here, she put our heart. Or no, our, our mission. I think it says our mission over here. And underneath it, it has our missionaries and, and their news, some of their newsletters and their, their names. And then it says our heart. And it has the world, a map of the world. And then the last one, I think, says our purpose or, or something. And it's got even some of the, the activities that we have locally going on. And, 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 and I want you to stop and take a look at it because it's about going. We, we can say these things are our mission, our heart, our, our purpose. But if we don't go, if we don't go, if we don't do something with it, then we're just waiting to die. Ladies Bible study has been talking about witnessing. I've been amazed to hear the stories. Best says that there was somebody in the Bible study. It's talking about how they'd love to witness, but they didn't know where they could go anymore. They said all of a sudden people started coming to their door. People started coming to them. And then begin to witness. Now there's a group of ladies who are getting a heart. They started talking about going. They started talking about witnessing. And now they're saying, okay, once we witness to them, we got to disciple them. We need to, we need to build relationships with them. We need to team up with them. We need some men to join that kind of passion. And say, we're going to go, and, and when people come in and get saved, we're going to have discipleship. We talk about discipleship and talk about discipleship. We wonder why it never gets going, because nobody ever goes enough to get the evangelism to make the discipleship possible. We've got to be going so the discipleship can work. We've got to be going with our prayer, going with our giving, going with our boots on the ground so that God can bring about the harvest. We've got to be ready for it. You don't walk into a bean field for harvest without a combine. You've got to have the truck to fill it up too. You've you got to have the stuff to get there. We can't just keep standing around the harvest field of the world going, we're here. We're not praying. We're not going to give. We don't want to go anywhere and do anything, but we're here. 
we're not prepared for the harvest. But when we change our mindset and we begin to realize that we're no longer church attenders, we're harvesters. And we start pushing the harvest. I'm asking for simple things. Two minutes and 40 seconds a day praying for missions. One dollar a day for world missions. One dollar a day for world missions. And God, show me where you want me to put my boots. That's all I'm asking. And wherever, when we begin to do that, I believe we're going to begin to see a harvest of the world. It's going to come. Next week, my plan is to preach on preparing the harvest of our community. I could preach the same sermon. That's going to be different. But I got news for you. If we will start preparing for harvest, do not, do not let this become a series of sermons that we go, oh, that's good. And we don't change anything. If we don't change, we're going to die. If we don't change, we're going to die. We've got to reach out. We've got to reach out. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now and I thank you for your power. I thank you for your majesty, your peace, your mercy, and your grace. And Lord, I ask that you would send your victory. Lord, I want you to remind us daily to pray. Two minutes and 40 seconds for world missions. Lord, I pray that you would remind us daily to give up whatever we need to give up to get that one dollar, that one little dollar a day. Lord, if, if we'll do it every day, we won't even notice it. That one little dollar. Lord, I pray that you would show us where you want us to put our boots on the ground. Let us prepare for harvest. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, 530 tonight, we're going to be leaving to go to Reach Church Cameron. And we're going to be praying over that church. That's one of our outreaches. This is a great way to put your boots on the ground and pray. And, um, and maybe even give. I might even make sure we have an offering plate there so you can give, too. But I believe God wants to do something spectacular tonight. We'll be going to Cameron at 530. There will be people here praying at 6 o'clock as well. So uh, if you would rather stay here, that's fine. But I'd love to have you go with us tonight at 530. Shake hands. Be friendly. Tell somebody you love them. Everybody, God loves them. You're dismissed.